0: On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we pick back up with Chad Misseldine on how to create margin, avoid burnout, and lead effectively in ministry. This is the day. I'm Kyle Willis, founder of Talenton Church Services, and as always, Dace Clifton, a pastor from Central Texas, and dailypastor.com is with us. Now, this is the second part of a two-part series that we're doing with Chad Misseldine. Chad, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, Kyle. Great to be here. It seems like forever since oh, we talked. Man, it's, I mean, it's been so at least long. 90 seconds, yeah, probably, right? Really glad to be with your audience today and excited to spend some time together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We split up that episode uh, just because of time and and really what we know that pastors and church leaders, if you're struggling with margin, you may not have an hour uh, to listen to a podcast. And so we try to keep it around that 30 minute mark. But yeah, Dace, Chad, we're back together.
2: Well, Chad, it's been great to have you on the show. And man, the first time we were together, I was just really digging everything that you were saying, man. And for me, it was almost like confessional because a lot of the errors, I guess, that you identified, I was. Totally guilty of the first six or seven years of ministry, which almost led me to a complete burnout. And so, man, I really appreciate you spending the time with us and and really sharing these truths that I think if pastors can grasp these earlier in ministry, man, they can avoid so much pain and frankly, just be more effective in everything that they do in the immediate and the long haul.
1: Absolutely, I love how you talked about you know if, if you could pick some of these things up early on. Kind of the proactive, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like the athletes that you see that make it long times in their careers. They, you know, early on, they were smart, right? They did the right things. They had the right diet. They had the right, you know, exercise. Like they didn't overdo certain things. And I, I do believe that you're right. Dace, you know, ministry is the same way. I want to, I want to be able to respond to all the things that God brings me in my life. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that
0: Chad. And really as we resume our conversation from last week's episode, uh, one of the things that we did not get to, we did talk about creating margin and intentionality. We talked about, you know, your story of burnout and what pastors and church leaders can do to to really you know, what are the warning signs and what that felt like to you and, and what other people may be feeling and and how we rate ourselves. And and we use uh, the development plan that that is in your new book, A Tale of Two Leaders. Uh, but let me ask you this. I mean, there was a quote that really stood out to me in the book. Uh, and it said this, it said, unhealthy leaders create unhealthy followers. And I think that may sting a little bit for pastors who are shepherding their people well. You know, what do you mean by that? Um, how does that apply to pastors and church leaders listening? Unhealthy leaders create unhealthy followers.
1: Yeah, in, in the book, the the person that said that was actually Hannah. She was leading with a team, and Hannah was doing a lot of finger pointing. Um, I don't know if any of us, if anybody listening, has Mm-mm, ever done no, that, right? Never. No, us. No where, you know, hey, this person on my team won't do this, or this person in my church won't do this, or our people won't do this. And I think she, she realized and she comes to term with reality that, that the, the unhealthy things on, on her team were actually a reflection of her leadership, right? Leaders bring the weather. And so, you know, it's that old saying of when I've got one finger pointing at you, I've got four right. you know, pointing back to me. And so I think, it, you know, it, it reminds me of on my time at, and staff at Life Church and certainly Life Church, you know, not a perfect church in any way. But one of the things that we taught our pastors was, There was a phrase that we don't say, and it's our people won't do this. Hmm. Come on. Our people won't do this because really that's deflecting responsibility, right? That God's given us as leaders in its place. We had to learn and really hold one another accountable to say, Hey, we haven't led our people to do this. And so if, if there's unhealthy things on our team, you know, instead of pointing the finger and that's what Hannah learns to do in this story is she learns to look at her own self and going, Oh, say, okay, you know, where have I fallen short as a, as a leader? That doesn't mean we're, you know, start, you know, hating on ourselves or whatever, but, right. but we look at in the mirror. And I think that's, that's certainly important because every church, every organization, every business, there's unhealthy things. And, um, when you have an unhealthy leader, whether it's yourself or someone else that actually, you know, unhealthy leaders can actually multiply. Hmm. So, so I had an interesting perspective at life church because perspective, because we would see, you know, with 30 something locations, Hey, this, why is this one location over here? Why are there struggles? Cause we're doing a lot of the things are the same. Right. And nine times out of 10, if there was something unhealthy going on, we could point that back to, it was the difference was the leader. So, so one question that I think is consistent as I, as I talk with church leaders is what are the things that I allow on our team that are unhealthy? Great leaders do two things they bring support. So I'm encouraging people and I bring challenge. Um, I I push people. I call people up to a higher standard. Most leaders do one or the other well. And let me explain what I mean by that. Most leaders that are church pastors are really good at supporting, encouraging, you know, Hey, I'm going to be here for you because they have that pastoral heart, right? What I see consistently in the church world is that a lot of leaders, and that's certainly not a rule, um, but, A lot of leaders in the church world, they do great at support and pastoring, but they have a difficult time bringing challenge and calling people not out, but calling them up to a higher standard. So both, you know, great leaders do both and they calibrate support and challenge. So, you know, look at Jesus. He was the lamb. That's the support side, right? But he was also the lion. He brought truth. So he brought grace and truth. And I think we have to ask ourselves when things are unhealthy, okay, what am I allowing? And if I allow certain behaviors over time, either in myself or in others, I'm actually, I can create a culture of entitlement. I can create a culture of apathy and I've got to learn to, you know, be there for people. I've got to learn to, to take the other step in leadership, which is to bring that challenge and the direction and really, really push people. And so in the business world, I work with a lot of leaders who are really great at the challenge. So I'm going to have, this is fun.
2: It just happens. So this content's gold, man. It's really going to help people and, yeah, I think uh, obstacles.
1: In the business world, I work with a lot of leaders who are really great at challenge. High expectations, I'm going to push you, but they aren't willing to bring the support, the encouragement, the expectations, right? In the church world, it seems to be flipped, uh, and that's, a, that's not a rule. It's just a general observation. So if, if I'm a pastor, I really want to learn how do I s- – how do I calibrate that support and challenge? And how do I not allow certain things to become the norm in my, to- in my culture? But it does start with me right. and I've got to live it, you know, before I start preaching that to others. I've got to try my best to live it out first.
0: And I know we're going to talk about leading effectively in ministry or leading effective in the business world, but, you know, sometimes we have. Um, the proper way to show love is through direction, discipline, things like that. Uh, love does not necessarily mean, uh, everything goes right. And so, um, I I think that applies to a lot of people too.
1: I love, I love that the best mentors and leaders guys that I've had in my life are those that got up in my grill and told me the things that nobody else would tell me. They loved me in a way, and I could tell you names, uh, they loved me in a way that they, they called me not out. They called me up. Hey, there's more in you and this, you know, this behavior or this, this thing in you, uh, isn't what, um, it should be. I, I think for those that are listening, there's people in your life that God's trusted you with that he's put you in their life to help shape them. And yes, it means encouragement. Yes, it means empowerment, but also it's calling them You know, up to a higher standard and, and seeing things in them that they might not see yet in themselves and speaking that life into them uh, at the right time. Of course, we want to do it with love. Of course, we want to do it with grace. Um, of course, we want to live it out first. I want to, you know, I don't want to sell something I'm not smoking, so to say, but
2: I really want to live it out uh, myself. Well, my favorite quote of this entire episode has been, I don't want to sell something I'm not smoking. And so, you know, you have just changed my life. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to embrace that truth. You know, I, I love it. I've heard, you know, don't sell, you know, out of the wagon. I don't know. Don't sell it unless you're smoking it. Very, very good. And I really appreciate your, uh, Man, your challenge to us, which to me, Chad, is just seems so Christ-like in that, man, you've got to call people up. And I, when I look back and I think about what Jesus did toward the disciples, I mean, it was exactly that. He just he totally changed the paradigm for them. And everything changed as a result. And so I think how in the world can that be our path as leaders and as church leaders and, and those that God's called maybe to lead companies or whatever the case may be? How is it that we can embrace that? We're not going to leave people where they are. And so, man, really, really, what, what great insight. This is probably my favorite question that we ask on the Thriving in Ministry podcast. And uh, so, Chad, let me ask you this. What is one thing that you wish you had known earlier in ministry? Maybe one or two things that really have maybe been the game changers or those uh, mountaintop moments that just made all the difference.
1: I think one thing that I wish I would have known earlier in life uh, regarding ministry is that ministry, it's not just a responsibility to be stewarded. Uh, it's actually a gift to enjoy along the way. I, I think that's easy for a lot of us days to to forget. You know, we we started out in ministry. Man, we 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 had this relationship with God that was on fire. You know, like we we wanted to change the world, and then we we get into ministry in different ways, and we realize how difficult it is. And over over time, it's easy to become uh, for for it to become like a job. You know, if I could go back. I think I would have enjoyed the journey a little bit more. Wow. Um and realized um that it was just a season that God was going to use in my life and I needed to hold on to it with an open hand and an open heart and and actually enjoy it a little bit more. Hope that I hope that makes sense. And I mean I mentioned the the Matthew 11:28 like the light verse heavy yoke and and I think that The older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing that, um, I want the yoke to be light, the teaching to be light and to allow again, God to, um, take care of the things that he can take care of. And for me to just show up, to be obedient, to enjoy the journey. Um, and I think that a joyful heart that, that shows up, that's grateful and appreciative every day of like what we get to do, um, is contagious. And I think they'd love to follow somebody that's, um, that's, that's grateful. And just wakes up every day with like a, what like an attitude of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I get to uh, know Jesus today. I can't believe I get to serve him today. And that's just hard over time because we tend to get jaded and, and, and tired.
2: When don't people want to follow leaders like that? I can't, I guess in the Baptist circles, we would amen that point. You know, we'd amen, amen. that say, that's right. Because that's the type of leader that that is a delight to follow instead of, you know, something that's really going to be devastating sure
0: well and and really in in that point you know I think uh, a lot of times pastors do struggle with joy and um, maybe that's due we because they're burned out or because they don't have margin or frankly they just don't feel like this is the right place that they should be anymore and and I get all that I mean I have not been a pastor of days like like you have been and Chad like like you've served as you know I, I think or days that you are I'm sorry I didn't I didn't want to say have been that was that was rough but no in seriously so I I don't know all the challenges that you face but you know I do think that joy component uh, is missing when I talk to to pastors frankly I mean a lot lot of times, and and we know, we know the enemy's playbook, right? Um, He comes to isolate, right? He's going to steal, kill, and destroy. And so uh, one of the ways that many pastors lack joy is through that isolation. So through lacking close friendships or some of that. And, and so I really just appreciate kind of what you were talking about is, man, I wish I would, I wish I would have enjoyed the ride. Um, and, and frankly, I think that, um, if pastors, if you're listening to this and, and maybe you're not having joy, either, uh, you're not stewarding it well. So you're not taking care of what, uh, God has entrusted you with, or you have one of the other, problems that we talk about here at dailypastor.com and the Thriving and Ministry podcast. Uh, if you don't have joy, right, it's either a stewardship issue or there's probably issues with margin, burnout, and effective leadership. And, and Chad, I, we kind of hopped over or hopped around between the last recording and this one. But one question that I really did want to ask you um, was, you know, in your book, it, it said something along the lines of, you know, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. And obviously, you know, your history at Life Church and even how you help leaders grow now through what you do in, in kind of the for profit and nonprofit consultation and leadership development. The leader can be the lid, right? How have you seen that played out? And how have you seen, you know, Life Church, for example, that had a ton of of growth? Um, how how do you balance that? Let me let me ask it that way
1: yeah and that you know in the in the book that quote comes from uh, that Ben was one of the leaders that, that he was a lid in his in his organization he was stretched really thin um, he actually had his hands in every single part of the business and so he was making a lot of the decisions you know, Jack the kind of guide in his life was actually pushing him in the opposite direction so right. I mean the good sign uh, like a good sign that you're probably controlling things too much if you're the senior leader of a church and you're deciding on the paint colors or the Menu for the dinners or, you know, if every decision has to come through you, um, that's a, probably a good sign that you're controlling things too much. And, and he, you know, in the story, Ben had to reach a place that, that a lot of us have to reach where we have to go. Okay. You know, things can't grow past me. Uh, when I have such a tight grip on decisions and how things should look and, and the reality is a lot of leaders, whether it's church or non-church, like the, the organization runs around our preferences and our personality. And that's very dangerous because, you know, God didn't call us to lead people to ourselves. He didn't call us to lead people to our personality or our preferences. He called us to lead people to him the last time I checked. And I know that's kind of a in your face kind of deal, but I think we have to be able to, as leaders, we have to cast vision. We have to help our churches or our organizations know what is a value and, and we have to point the, the ship in the direction, and then we have to get out of the way and allow people to, uh, lead in that way. So I'm not sure if that helps or not. I think on a, on a practical note, um, we used to say, push decision-making down, push it down. If your list of the things that have to come through you is very long, you're probably not pushing enough decisions down. And again, that doesn't mean you don't provide clarity. Hey, here's the expectations guys. Here's the only thing that matters to me on this is this, the rest of it. You can decide. So I want to always challenge you know, people to push decision-making down. And I want like a phrase that I think every leader should adapt. And this is something on teams at life church and even out in the business world today that we push all the time. So two word phrase, everybody can remember it on that's listening today. And it's this, when people come to you asking for your opinion, it's the, it's the simple phrase you decide, Yep, you decide, and it be awkward at first, because it can be the most liberating statement that a leader can make. Um, you know, Hey, Jesus, like all these people came out here, you know, there's 5,000 people out here. We didn't feed them. Jesus says, you feed them. You got a couple fish, like, right. And he's teaching this. Now that doesn't mean he, for, for years he he showed them like, Hey, I'm going to do it and you watch, but there's gotta be a point in ministry where we're, we're empowering other people. And if we're doing all the ministry, man, if we're, if we're the ones that have to make all decisions, there's something wrong. We've become jaded in our view of like what we're called to do.
0: And I think that even applies to, you know, pastors or church leaders of of smaller churches, right? Small, medium sized churches. Maybe they're sitting here saying, Hey, I don't have a staff of, you know, hundreds of people or even dozens or four, right? Maybe, maybe they're a solo church plant, uh, you know, pastor, something like that. And they're sitting here going, Hey, I, who am I going to, you know, let decide? Hey, you got volunteers. You got people in your church. You have people around you that can decide. And maybe you're setting. Maybe certain things are, are you're wanting to hold on to, like theological or missional or whatever, right? But uh, As we talked in the last episode, uh, you have to say no to some things so that you can say yes to the best things. So, pastor, church leader, understand if you are holding on to um, every the paint choice or what the nursery should smell like or whatever. If you're holding on to something else, that means there's something else that you're not holding on to. And so what we're saying is hold on to the best things and let everything else rely on your staff, rely on volunteers, people in your church. And frankly, um, I think I can say this, we're being harsh on today's podcast, but Hey, they may make a better choice than you. Okay, <laughs> like,
1: absolutely. Like, if There's you're gonna yeah, re-
0: yeah, if you're gonna repaint the nursery, I'm just throwing out an example. This is totally hypothetical. Um, you know, probably who the best choice to pick up the paint color is is the the moms that are going to be using it, right? Absolutely. And say, hey, here's four colors. You pick. Yeah, and right? and
1: the saying that we say all the time, and and this comes from me messing up for so many years right. and trying to control things, not um, uh, you know, allow for growth but don't make your preferences other people's priorities. Mm. So we have to really figure out, hey, what's on the preference list that we need to kind of let go of? And and I don't want people on my team or key volunteers making up one of my personal preferences their priority. And I and I would say the only other thing too to the to the nursery comment is there's people in our churches that would love nothing more than to be given the authority to make a decision. And again, it doesn't mean a theolog like we're right. not going to change the direction of the church like but to give those key volunteer like key business people the, the interior decorator right. that goes to your church they're probably would love that opportunity and we have to see ourselves as hey i i want to equip people to do ministry not do it all and part of that is letting go and, and not trying to control everything
0: right and even to like uh the the, the teenager in your youth uh, you say hey we don't know how to do to to do social media right here here's a tiktok account i don't know go run with it don't say these three words or whatever it is. Right. But, but basically give very little direction, let them run with it. And, and then I would say that the missing part of what we're talking about is to give feedback. So if you are a pastor, church leader, and you are giving direction, you give up control, maybe they are missing it. Maybe they're missing the boat, not doing, you know, not your preference, but maybe they, they stepped out of line. It's okay. Right? right? Just give them some feedback and say, Hey, this is the direction. It's not my preference, but this is where we're going. Um, Hey, Dace, I, I love what Chad's sharing there. Um, you know, what resonated with you either on that last point or any of the stuff that we've talked about with Chad Misseldine over the last two episodes?
2: Well, for me, all of it resonated um, and just some really valuable lessons, I think, that is going to benefit so many pastors. The thought that I was having as we were finishing that last thought about empowering people and not, uh, for lack of a better term, micromanaging every decision. I was thinking about the Acts 2 church and how so this is this church that is absolutely on the move. By all accounts, it's dynamic. It's being led by God's Spirit. And we have to remember in the midst of that, that it was not led by these OCD control freaks. It was led by people yeah. who were pushing ministry out, you know, and, and, and awesome things were happening. And I think there's something to that for us that, uh, that we can uh, embrace uh, today and our ministries, our, our teams, our businesses, everything is just going to be healthier following these models that really, frankly, have been set out, you know, in scripture and, and certainly modeled by Christ.
1: And, and Dace, I'll, I'll add this and you guys can edit this out if it's um, not, relevant. You guys asked, you know, what's one thing you'd known earlier in minister ministry. And, you know, this is sort of a cheated answer because the second thing, uh, but, um, one thing I, I, I had this interesting perspective at life church, seeing literally thousands of people come to church and want to get engaged. I think one thing that we should consider as, as pastors is to be careful what we define as what is ministry and what isn't ministry, Hmm. And what I mean by that is, there's so many different people in our churches that have so many different gifts that are already God's put them in a place. So think about a, the think about the leader of a business that's that's sitting in your church, right? And he's got 500 people every day that he has influence with. That is so much ministry. Uh, happening there. And I think what happens is there's so many people in our churches that they do not see themselves as ministers. They don't see the connection between the spiritual world and world and the unspiritual. And so they, they look at themselves, the moms out there, the dads out there, they look at themselves, uh, as a kind of a JV, a junior varsity right. ministry. Like I'm not really an, you know, a minute. And so one of the things as pastor, and I think part of that, we have to take responsibility as pastors and go, Hey, I got to help people see, the opportunity that's in front of them, and I want to be really careful not to say, "Hey, that's not ministry." So there's probably um, statistics of the like I'm I'm speaking of the business guy that's got the ten employees or fifty or 100. you know those are statistics that might not ever hit your church metrics, but I want to do my job as a pastor to speak to that business guy, that businesswoman, that mom, that dad, to help them see that they are more than just somebody that can write a check to the church. That's really important. I want them to support the mission of the church. I want them to tie. I want to get over and above to that, right? I want them to volunteer in the church's ministries, I want, but sometimes I want to also speak into the part of their world that, that God's putting in. And when we do that, we can unlock people's potential. And I, I started to do that live church and actually was asked to help other, you know, teach other pastors. How do I connect with key givers, key business people? And we begin to teach pastors. And I still do that. Some I'll speak to church staffs to teach their teams how do they connect with the business world? How do I help uh, people in my church feel like I'm being used by God and unlock their gifts too? So I just, I think that's something I wish I would have known earlier. Thankfully, I got exposed to that early on kind of in ministry and was able to um, be passionate about it and help other people feel passionate as well.
0: Well, I appreciate Chad Misseldine joining us here on the Thriving in Ministry podcast, uh, the the second episode of two episodes. If you didn't check out last week's episode, go ahead and check it out. His new book uh, releases here at the end of April, A Tale of Two Leaders. Uh, you can find it online. Uh, Chad Misseldine, M-I-S-S-I-L-D-I-N-E. Uh, Chad, hey, thanks so much for joining us, Dace. Uh, man, I am so excited that we got to spend time, uh, here with Chad and get to hear how he is pouring in and those leadership lessons. Um, and, and so, man, I would encourage you, uh, check out Chad online, uh, Dace. You know, I'm a big fan of the leadership stuff, and that's one of our pillars here at dailypastor.com, and so uh, I got a ton of great stuff out of our time here today with Chad.
2: Yeah, definitely. Chad, uh, pleasure to meet you, and just great to spend time with you over these past two episodes, and so much, I think, that uh, our our listening audience is going to be able to glean just many lessons, and once again, man, totally therapeutic for me. Uh, You know, I think... uh, I guess I could say, you know, the first five to seven years of ministry, I was doing the opposite of everything you were saying. And so I can, you know, verify the validity of what you said. It really does work when you're intentional and you do these things. So, man, thanks so much. Listening audience, hope you uh, hope you embrace these uh, these lessons and connect with Chad. And remember, be sure to check out his upcoming book. And as always, if you've got a topic or question or an issue that you need help sorting out, be sure to reach out to us at thedailypastor at gmail.com. Hey, God bless. Have a great day. Stay in the fight.